0: Here's Johnny. I'll
1: be back. And you will know my name
0: is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid
1: I can't do that.
0: Groovy. This is my transition subject to get us back into Halloween uh, ends mode. I saw a fan mock-up the other day of a Cory shape mask. So it's it's <laughs> like in the original <laughs> Halloween where they took the Shatner mask and you know just spray painted it white and blew the eyes out and left the hair. That concept for like a mold of Corey's face, where you know you have the the most striking features of his face, but the whole thing is painted white. You've got the eyes widened out, and it, it looks be so, so beautiful. It looked, yeah. I mean, it was like handsome Squidward version of Michael Myers, <laughs> but <laughs> his lips are so pillowy. <laughs> They, they did capture that in the mask, but I'm like, holy shit, that would have been a really cool kind of reboot idea of Michael Myers, right? Instead of going back to like the old, worn out, decayed version of the mask, you have the young Cory, pretty man, Michael Myers shape, where, oh, you know, beautiful. it's not the same as an actual face, but it's still reminiscent of an actual person, but stripped. Readful just cool made a uh,
1: a Cory figure. Oh, really?
2: Already? Wow.
1: Does it, does it have the clown mask? Scarecrow mask? It does. Yeah. Scarecrow mask. It's it's a clown though. I don't care what anybody says. It's a clown. (laughs) It's a clown, crew.
0: Uh, The first thing that came to mind was clown when I was talking to you. I'm like, no, no, no. That was definitely scarecrow.
2: Uh, I see they were making it extra of Halloween, so it's a spooky type of
1: clown. Ooh, it's the clown from Scooby Doo. Where are you? I. Why can't scarecrows also be clowns? Scarecrows can be clowns. I I mean, yeah, sure. I don't think it's very common. I mean, it's It's the same basic idea on the face. Yeah. Really? Actually, the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz kind of looks like a clown. It's mm. more like a like a clown than a Scarecrow. I never yeah. liked the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz.
0: Just in general, you don't like him as a person, or you don't like him as a design? Both.
1: Mostly a person. Except mm. when it was Alan Cumming. I don't think we can start the show this way, because it's just going to be us streaming <laughs> at each other for like a half hour. Okay, well, why don't you start the show?
0: All right, let's uh, start proper. <clears throat> Welcome to Box Oh, fuck, I hit my board. Good. good, <laughs> good. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. The shape got me. Oh. The sheep is monumental. <laughs> <laughs> the sheep's just a man.
0: Uh, take two. Welcome to Box Office, Paul, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your host, Cody, and as a white dude with a podcast, it turns out I have loud opinions about David Gordon Green's closing chapter in the Halloween franchise. For now. Uh join me today to talk our way through it or my co-host Mike. Say hello Mike. Do you like what you see, Scarecrow? Uh, hate it, instantly hate it. And Jamie, say hello Jamie. I cannot tell you how
2: badly I want a t-shirt that says Cory is monumental and it's just a screen cap of them <laughs> looking awkward at that party.
0: <laughs> I would I would buy that and then just graffiti it with a Sharpie to make it say Cody is monumental. <laughs> I would I would make it about me. 100%.
1: Can someone please make a poster or something that says Cody is monumental on it, with <laughs> just a picture of Cody smiling, going,
0: hey, hey, Halloween, great. Halloween's pretty fun,
1: <laughs> Halloween's neat. <laughs> I'm
2: just imagining the poster to Barbarian, but it's Cody standing in that doorway with like a mimosa, hey,
0: oh, I thought you were gonna be talking about the suitcase one, like first, I'm just stuck in that fucking suitcase with like a drink in my hand. fucking
1: cody carpenter my hand
0: is (laughs) my hand is through the bars of the suitcase but i'm holding a bottle of booze i can't get through the bars so it's like hell
1: i'm like a a raccoon with something
0: shiny i can't yeah i can't let it go once it's in my hand i gotta keep it oh no so anyways halloween ends halloween ends uh one this movie's been out for a couple weeks by this point uh it was nice for us to wait to give our opinions because I, I feel like a lot of times when someone talks about a movie that just came out, they're, they're kind of rushed to say things about it and their thoughts haven't totally formed. And uh, sometimes you feel like a real dummy when a year later you look back at the movie you were singing the praises for and you go, oh, that wasn't nearly as good as the hype had me believing in the moment. So it was, it was nice to take the like two weeks or whatever it's been since Halloween ends came out to kind of sit and gel on it. You know, think, OK, did I really like this? Was this part good, bad? I think a lot of people on Twitter just instantly had gut reactions and made it out to be the worst or the best Halloween they've ever seen. And uh, I would say all those people people are wrong. This is a movie, in my opinion. It's fine. Uh, But Mike and Jamie, you guys both appreciate the film, I think, a lot more than I did. I kind of landed in the middle of where I was positive, but not over the moon. I think in time, I might grow to appreciate it more, but I've only seen it the one time. So I, I can't. Say, I'm over the moon for this project, and this is this is how Halloween always should have ended, but you know I had a good time. I didn't want my money back at the end.
1: Yeah, it helps that um I know for me, I didn't have any preconceived notions of how I felt the series should end or should go, especially with how many different versions of Halloween that pretty much exist. Yeah. um, I was just happy to see what someone was giving me, so I didn't i, I it seems like. Okay, also, spoilers, spoilers, Halloween ends. Um, Halloween dies at the end. Deal with it. This is spoilers. Um, Wouldn't that be amazing if that's how the film actually
0: ends? Like, the whole town gets together and, like, we'll never celebrate Halloween again. (laughs) Oh, it's like
2: a
1: a positive footloose. (laughs) What I love is... we see a
0: kid trying to ask for candy, we're going to beat him up with a baseball bat. We're done. We're moving on. We're Thanksgiving people now.
2: What I love is... It's Halloween, so no, there is actually an unmade Halloween sequel, or that's the fucking plot. <laughs> There's an unmade I'm... Halloween script where Michael becomes a rock star for a little while. If you can, it's like Rule 34. If you can imagine it, somebody wrote a Halloween script for it at some point.
0: That's very true. Um, I, I will say, the, the kind of surprising part to me is this movie opens in, set in 2019, uh, a year after the events of Halloween 2018. And there's a group of parents who are going out to trick-or-treat, and they leave their kid behind for babysitting. And in the back of my head, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this town got over these Halloween murders real fast. Like, you just, that kind of surprised me. I'm like, wow. If I were running a town, I think it'd be like, okay, maybe not do Halloween one year after, like, 40
1: people just got stabbed to death. Cody, has the pandemic taught you nothing about society? <laughs> that is very
0: I mean, I I rolled with it, but that was one of those first things where I'm like, wait a minute, quite sure I follow this. I guess this is just how Haddonfield is. Well, and as one, the film goes on, rich. Haddonfield, yeah.
2: I was going to say, like, well, I assume they're just going to the Halloween party from Batman Returns.
0: I, well, as the movie shows, I think the people of Haddonfield are all not quite rational, normal people in any other town. They they kind of portray the folks of Haddonfield of being, I, I would say, prone to mob violence to frenzies to most of them are almost cartoonishly cruel or evil so you're saying parts. this is the most
1: realistic slasher series ever
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm saying there's there's
0: a very intentional portrayal of the town as being oversized uh that's if not, it's just like maybe that's how they just – David Gordon Green just naturally writes characters as all assholes. But I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume this was a choice to be like, okay, if we're talking about the infection of evil in a person, a town can be infected the same way.
1: Yeah. Very well that's, so. why, that's why I found so interesting about both Halloween ends but uh, just kind of like this trilogy as a whole is that it's really – Michael is – Go- goes back to the John Carpenter. Michael is a concept. The, the is the concept of the boogeyman. Is the concept of evil. Is the shape. And it's really almost a, more about Haddonfield and, and how both the nature and nurture around the town can like alter the perception of evil. And that's what um, that's why I think like Corey ends up being like kind of more uh, as interesting. Like not um, an offshoot of Michael, but can kind of, like, come from the the same cloth because of the town. It's like it's all, Michael affects the town this way, the town then affects someone else this way, and it repeats a cycle.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's so, uh, that was so shocking and fascinating about that cold open, which might seriously be one of the most shocking openings I've ever seen in a whole movie. Because nobody in that audience is expecting things to go that way before the opening credits.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's that's the the where I was really on board actually. That first scene I'm like, "Oh, okay. So we're starting up just a year later. Technically Michael's on the loose. He could appear now is what you'd expect." So they kind of play that fake out. Uh and then killing a kid, a little taboo still, especially in a a larger popular movie. So I was excited there. That that was the most tense part of the movie for me because you don't know One, if this is just going to be a prank and this is a shitty kid, Michael pops up afterwards to scare him. Two, if Michael's there from the beginning or you get this kind of ending where, nope, it was a fake out. There's no Michael. There's no whatever. Uh, I kind of assumed they were leaning towards Corey was going to kill this kid in cold blood. So there there was a lot of open questions in the air watching that opening scene. And that's exciting, especially for a Halloween franchise entry. There's only so many avenues you think they're going to pursue. So them being able to do something that's surprising to the audience is... Well, pretty rare. It's yeah. also such and a they-
2: fascinating inversion of just the basic Halloween trope of babysitters are and children are both safe unless Michael is getting them. Like the idea of like both a child tormenting a babysitter and the babysitter then accidentally killing him is so off the book for any Halloween because that's something that's prominent in the first movie is uh, like the relative safety of Lori's neighborhood and the teenagers and their relationship with the kids. Green's first Halloween also continues that where we see that very warm, like two ki- two people who are essentially kids getting along together relationship with the babysitter and her kid in that movie. So j- just from moment one, it just feels like, okay, something is irrevocably broken about the Halloween universe now, and it's going to continue breaking for the duration of the film.
0: I would say, too, if we're looking at the character of Corey, throughout the film, they always are contrasting him or comparing him to Michael Myers. You know, they have him do the same iconic sit-up motion that Michael does in the first film. So we have this opening scene where a babysitter's around and there's a kid who uh, dies. This one, they're they're showing the contrast, I think, between them. Like Laurie mentions on later on, there there's two forms of evil. So in the first Halloween, we see a kid stab his sister to death. Like, very intentionally murder uh, in Cold Blood. This one, Corey is having an emotional outburst as he's panicking, trying to get out of this room, and accidentally kills the kid. And so it's very verbal, it's emotional, and it's an accident. So it's kind of the flip-flop of the death of the first film. So you get that nice kind of compare-and-contrast foil idea going between the two immediately from that.
1: Yeah, and it's both from, um, I think, a writing, directing, and acting standpoint, that bit... Where he's screaming at the kid, banging on the door, and he starts going, "You know, I'm going to kill you." It's very subtle, and I love how it's played as—is it, it pointing towards there is something deep down in Corey? Because the way he's saying it is just a little bit over aggressive, and is there something just like this simmering hatred of this simmering rage, this this killer instinct like Michael has, that's just there, but he's not aware of it. Or is that just being frustrated? And yeah. I, I, I love, I love that ambiguity throughout the film. Like where does nature nurture start and end with this kind of thing? Cause you, you, you get the, the very subtle, subtle and not so subtle setups with his mother, of course. Yeah. So you, you get a sense of where he comes from and, what kind of things are underneath the surface of him? And, you know, where does the town push him into this? Where did it awaken something? Did it awaken something? And it, it all was, like, really contrasted perfectly in that little bit.
2: Yeah, because as, as far as Haddonfield is concerned, evil is born, not made. I mean, you, you see that scene where, he, where Corey is confronted by the child's mother who basically tells him what kind of person gets angry at a child. A good person does not lash out at a child. Somebody who is evil does that. It's like the existence of Michael has primed everyone for this idea of supernatural evil that just comes into the world and hides among us. And I think I I would feel worse about that. Like as a, like, as a concept if it weren't for the fact that I feel like that that is very much proven wrong by the end of the movie. It would be different if Corey had actually been a successor to Michael and the movie left like with his death open ended or something, but it's made very clear by the time that kid's dead. No, he is not Michael Myers. He is somebody who had some problems and was egged on and then, made the decision to become a horrible, horrible person. But there's nothing magical about that. There's no there's no ancient evil that Corey is tapping in through with his relationship with Michael. It's just <sighs> the specter of Haddonfield.
0: Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Because but if there be, there's not. They have the whole sequence in the sewer where he first meets Michael Myers, and they do the eye flash back and forth, kind of portray there as some sort of, story or information being shared between these two characters. You could easily take that. And that's how I take it as a supernatural event that this is I, with I, all the speak of infection going on in the movie and the repeated mentions of the hand infection he has. It makes a play that evil is an infecting force and he is in open to it. He's been exposed and the evil of Michael Myers is essentially taking him over as the phone goes on.
1: Okay. Well, the eye flashes as Corey having a mental break moment by looking into the face of evil. That's not like a transference where Michael is seeing all of his memories. Yeah, I, it could be very I, easily
2: read as that, but I've no, Green has never gone like, that literal with anything in the
0: trilogy. I mean, he did have Michael Myers get fatally wounded in the end of the previous film and then get back up and murder everyone and walk off and be just fine. And then show an that he's so fucked up he doesn't leave the sewer.
2: Hmm. I, I, is, could you could also...
0: Yeah, but people argue about the interpretation of that as well. If you go to, like, the novelization, they talk about how this is supposed to represent that Michael is pirate powered by fear. So if he's not getting the
1: right amount of fear generated, whatever the, <laughs> the script purpose is. That it all was, sounded stupid it in, in the book. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> was just reading that earlier. That all sounded dumb. I mean, yeah, it's – that... I mean, not even dumb, just from a completely different Halloween series.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a – Again, there's some interesting ideas I saw there, but yeah, it definitely sounds like more, more in weirdly more in line with what a traditional Halloween sequel would be. They were trying to ape more like the Jamie Lloyd thing uh, from the original series.
0: I I think that's some of the idea. I mean, throughout this Halloween reboot trilogy, uh, we've seen them toy with some of the ideas that previously got brought up in Halloween films. That's another reason why I was saying, okay, it's an evil infection, because like you said, they always had that idea, oh, what if Jamie became the next killer? They scrubbed that pretty quickly, but there was a psychic bond between them in, what was that, Halloween 5? Yeah. But I feel like that's always been on uh, Green's mind as he's made these movies. Like, here's <laughs> what we've done before. We can we can hint or play with those ideas, but we're not necessarily going to remake them entirely and just let them play out exactly as they were in the original films.
1: I like a lot of the remixes we get, like Michael and the Silverwood being watched over by, like, this hermit guy. Like, I, I like that. That's from the beginning of Five. You yeah, know, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, Cory in a way, is is kind of like Jamie. It's playing with the idea of evil transference, just not in, like, Thorn cult bullshit type of a way. Uh, I would have Green, loved if they'd managed to work the cult of
2: Thorn in this movie at the last <laughs> minute.
1: Surprise, Green, bitches! Green plays more with what Carpenter played with which is the philosophical concept of evil and how that transfers and how that is pulled in like uh, like a like a whirlpool and Corey gets stuck in that, which I think is interesting. And again, playing with that, what is like what is deep down kind of broken and and hateful with Corey, based on his upbringing, based based on that nurture, and Michael is more the nature of evil. And kind of like, he, and Corey gets stuck in a gets stuck in a crosswind of wanting to become Michael, almost as like a self-penance. And I, and I see a lot of people seem to be missing because it's very only subtly mentioned that he does have an infection, so his mind is getting like a little fucked up as the movie goes on. So that's kind of like pushing him along. That's right, and, an infection of evil, and my and Michael's kind of. You know, I think the the idea that Corey and Michael ha- share the same look, but it's never really being explained what that look is. And I think that frustrates people because I see um, a lot of people saying like, well, Michael's motivations are still murky. And, they, and I understand if you don't like the story concept of Michael has no motivation, like there's literally nothing. If you don't like that, I think that's perfectly acceptable. If you feel like the movie has made a mistake and isn't making it clear what his motivation is, you're not watching the movie. In that case, I'd ask you to
2: rewatch the original.
1: That too. Like, everyone seems to want to go to a – like, not everyone. Most people seem to want to go to a place where things are more clearly defined. Um, And there even is a supernatural element or there – a ambiguity of supernatural elements are brought up. And I think there's a frustration that that doesn't necessarily happen. And of course, there's also a frustration that Michael's not in necessarily even in kills or ends very much. It's not necessarily, yeah. it's not purely about Michael.
2: Yeah, it's an important thing to bring up with both the movie and the fan reaction to the movie. Michael doesn't show up until an hour into this motherfucker. Yeah. Which, I will say, one, fucking kudos for pulling that up. That took some balls. Two, I also perfectly understand if you went to the theaters looking for a Halloween movie, got this instead, and walked out not really knowing what the hell you saw.
0: (laughs) So here is my thought on that entire setup. When you're making a sequel, it's already very hard, because pretty much by definition, right, it's going to be derivative of the previous film. No matter what you're doing, you're doing some version of what came before and you have to worry about audience expectations, demands. Do you give into those? Do you say all the cool lines that were said in the first one? Do you have the callbacks or do you purposely swerve the other way and avoid all that and try and make something very different? No matter what you do, you're haunted by that previous film. I think it gets even harder than when you compound that and have something that's supposed to be a franchise ender. Uh, You see it all the time when there's a trilogy, right? The third part is such a hard thing to find closure on. And you're trying to maintain actually telling a story with an end, which is tough, but also satisfying fan needs. And so in the case of Halloween Ends, you've got something that's supposed to act as a cap on a 44-year saga. There's a lot of expectations going in. And there's a big difference between, I would say, making a capital G good film and a good franchise film. They can be the same thing. A good movie can be a good franchise film. A good franchise film can be a good film. But sometimes you're making something that will please the fans and everyone's a big fan of that follows that franchise that outsiders will look at and go, this is fan service or this is dumb or I don't understand the lore that they're going into here. Halloween ends seems to take the opposite approach where there are fewer really overt things to please long-term Halloween fans. Not that there aren't cameos or whatever else, you know, like Nick Castle pops up for a second without a mask. That's fun. But things like hiding Michael Myers for half of the runtime of the film are clearly designed to play towards not being a a good player in the franchise, but being a good film. But just because you're playing for that doesn't necessarily mean you've hit the mark. And for me, I was very frustrated as both a fan and a moviegoer because it felt like there was not enough energy going into the film. And I didn't get to see the guy I came to see.
2: I could not imagine watching this directly following the adrenaline high of kills. It's Well, that's another a... thing
0: I'm thinking about, too. You have to kind of break this down, right? Because they say it's a trilogy, but I don't think that's right unless you group things. So you could watch Halloween the original, but then you'd have to watch Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills basically back-to-back and treat that as one movie because that carries the same momentum. And then you could take a gap and watch this new movie, which I think is a little intentional, right, because of the spacing. There's 40 years between the events of Halloween and Halloween 2018, and then there's four years between Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. So it is kind of designed as a lumpy trilogy where you have to take two of the three new entries as one film. They really
1: do have to stop using the term trilogy with these. Yes.
0: But Yeah, this it's very silly that everyone calls it a trilogy. I do it too, but it's, yeah, it's a quadrilogy.
2: Yeah, what I think is the most interesting out of these, uh, these tangentially related three films is... Gordon's, whether this is intentional or not, essentially given you a choose-your-own finale for the Halloween universe. Like, 2018 is, like, a near-perfect sequel to the original with a lot of tonal similarities, it, uh, very low-key, something that would have made Carpenter proud, and it has a very final, like, emotional end that solidly ends the franchise once and for all if you want to leave it there. So that's still probably my favorite of these three. Then you have Kills, which is basically every Halloween sequel concentrated into one movie that's this gigantic, delirious bloodbath that's borderline nihilistic, especially in its ending, and matches the open-ended ending of the original, where Michael is wounded, but Michael, it can still be anywhere, and there's no closure there. For... ends you get well okay what if we ended this like Wes craven's new nightmare like what if we do like just one really big epilogue movie that's more about wrapping up themes related to the halloween franchise than necessarily part playing into like this is the very end of the series if 2018 weren't better then i think i would have a lot of the bitter feelings a lot of people have towards kills and ends, but as far as I'm concerned, everything after 2018 is just icing. So I'm a lot more forgiving on just playing with the formula and giving me, uh, with ends basically a backwards Halloween movie. Like ends is basically a G- David Gordon Green movie playing with Halloween themes that then super becomes a Halloween
1: movie in the third act. I think even if I didn't. Like ends or ends or kills. I think it should be appreciated that Green didn't take in all of the sequels into account as to how to make Halloween sequels. Twenty eighteen is the formulaic sequel. And I don't mean formulaic in a in a bad way. Just like that is the natural way you do a sequel to Halloween. It's what any logical person but, would want. Yeah, but then after that was done, there's there's two ways you can you can go about it afterwards. You do the normal slasher thing and just continue to do that. Continue just making sequels to Halloween. Or you continue making sequels to the story you've set up. And Green put those other sequels and what they mean in pop culture and everything else out of the way and continue to make sequel stories. And I, I think that actually should be commended because it would have been a lot safer to have done the opposite or at least even skewed these more towards that um and i once again totally understand especially ends if you don't like ends ends is just something that really especially when i rewatched it really just spoke to me and and spoke to me as a as both a fan of the original um and how carpenter viewed the original because that that's to me what it's about is putting all of all the other sequels, all of what Halloween became out of the purview and focusing purely on that just still down. And just from being able to have this thing that speaks on philosophy and the ambiguity of there being no answers, like that's, that's what ends did for me. And it, it just really makes you think. And, and upon rewatching, it gave me, more to ponder, and it, it was being able to pick up on even more little little things. There are nice, like, cool little nods. Like, uh, I noticed when Michael stabbed um, to the table, he flutters around like a butterfly pinned to a board. Like, there's, there's all these little bits and pieces Green kind of, like, puts in there that aren't just cool nods but are interesting psychological and philosophical callbacks to both the series at large and Carpenter's original.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I was very baffled and miffed despite enjoying the movie by the reset on Laurie Strode at the beginning after her uh, vowing to track down Michael forever at the end of kills. That is such a com- such a complete 180. You could almost take the other Halloween movies out of the like out of the equation, just <laughs> pretend this is H two O and this is just what happened after the original.
0: But it's it's really surprising and all the momentum from kills is essentially gone. Not just from the time jump, but it feels like, oh wow, there should have been like a third movie between those two that, that kind of explained how she came to be at peace. Like <laughs> dudes just yeah. live in in, in in the sewers. That seems like a place you check. Well, what
2: like I said, I was very miffed by that initially but the more i've dwelled on it and especially after like hearing jamie lee curtis talking about that and finding out that like a lot of where her character ended up came directly from her for the first time in any halloween series she was allowed to have ideas about Lori strode it was amazing and i don't i kind of like how like the breaking of traditional both traditional movie thinking and traditional sequel thinking where yeah, she said all of that badass stuff from a hospital bed, and then her she found out her daughter was died, and she she just had to take care of her granddaughter and actually be a loving mother for her instead of dedicating her life to destroying Michael. Again, I would have liked maybe something a little bit more. I'm just going into the road to how what got Lori there, but I I, I really appreciate both Curtis and Green basically being like okay let's see a final act for a character who, which isn't defined by violence or just trying to kill the thing you hate you hate like let's show that if a lot of fucked up shit happens to you maybe you can just go to therapy and protect the people you love and that will heal you
1: and it's a little bit of lori she's trying which um, is something i appreciated she's not like fully healed or anything like that, but she's trying so hard to be who Laurie Strode was going to be before the events of Halloween. And she has to be, you know, things like having to bake a pumpkin pie and like all these like tradition things. And it is very like, that's not the Laurie we were introduced in 2018, but it's the Laurie we were introduced to in the beginning of, the original Halloween. Yes.
2: Like for a movie that goes so off the book, there is a lot of symmetry here where, like, when you look for it. But just, it's just, it's just never where you expect it to be. But yeah, like the stuff with Lori is both weird, but I kind of fucks with it.
0: I think taken as a solo film, you know, if you had never watched Kills or Halloween 2018, or maybe even the original, it would be easier to accept. This is back to my point before about making a franchise capper it's it's frustrating for me to jump into this movie and then have there be essentially a soft reset in scenario and character uh between parts three and four does it make sense Hey, yeah, you can justify it um do i hate it no but it's it, it's confusing and it does kind of rob the natural inertia the films had going
2: now, like i said i could not imagine anything more jarring than sitting down and trying to watch for <laughs> the original and the gordon David Gordon Green trilogy back to back and watching that tone bounce all over the place.
0: (laughs) I think if they wanted to get people more on board with this, and it's mixed. There are some people that really absolutely hated Kills, but are very big fans of Ends. They could have started with something like Ends in place of Halloween 2018, because this feels like they're introducing some ideas and characters that need or could have used time to flourish. And you could make a whole trilogy out of that, and it'd be pretty satisfying putting this all into the last film, I think does a disservice to what they're trying to do because now Corey really, it's a two-hour movie, but Corey at the back half has to now compete with Michael Myers for screen time and interest. And you're also shepherding along a guy who's like, okay, we're showing he had a trauma. Now we're showing he was a good guy, but now he's doing bad things and now he is evil. You've got to really go through that arc fast and it's tough to do.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah, I, and I get when people are like completely rejecting it. I'm actually surprised how into that I end up becoming as the movie was was going on. And I was worried that I would lose that upon rewatching, but I, I, I don't know. For whatever reason the way this was done, I accepted it. And um I was just into seeing like those characters interact. I know, I, I'm I'm surprised by my own reaction towards <laughs> ends, which is positive, which is weird. <laughs>
2: Well, I think in any in the hands of literally any filmmaker other than David Gordon Green this would have been a disaster. Cuz before he like went to the Halloween franchise, before he started doing Stoner comedies, Gordon Green like exclusively did movies like this with like stuff like George Washington and Snow Angels, movies that are kind of just hanging out with people in small towns and just seeing like the minor tragedies of their lives. Seeing Gordon, David Gordon Green go into that mode again for the first time in quite a while was really fascinating. And yet, yeah, I don't know what it is. There's something about his style of directing where I I could just watch people in Haddonfield do stuff for hours. I don't know what it is. That's weird. I know I'm right? in the minority yeah. there, but yeah, it's like I don't. Gr- Green writes. R- I don't know if it's with the writing or specifically style of directing, but he makes small town of America feel
1: very, very engaging. It's it, he, He's very uh, uh, Coen Brothers that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Definitely. I think you've got a polarizing choice in how he does dialogue. In his films, well, these films, the Halloween films, I can't say I've seen a lot of his other ones, it's it's designed to err more towards melodramatic. You know, these characters almost having soap opera Huge conversations with each other. One thing I did find very funny was uh, there was, I think, a Slash article or a Slash film article talking about, like, 11 things that don't make sense in Halloween ends. (laughs) And one of them was uh, the bar argument that that Corey has with Allison. And I think the problem there is (laughs) the movie setting up the reality that these are two drunk people. Like, they've been partying all night. They're very drunk. And now they're having a very emotional argument out in a parking lot. But the actors aren't being told to necessarily communicate that they're sloppy drunks. As a person who spent a lot of time in bars, uh, the acting style doesn't reflect realism, but the, the, the way they're talking relatively close to each other, but past each other, like they're on the same theme, but they're not actually bouncing ideas back and forth at, at each other. They're, they're both saying their piece <laughs> and making no connections is very much drunk arguing. So it's almost like the the lines are written correctly for drunk people and realism, but the acting style isn't. So it makes a mental disconnect in my mind watching that scene where I'm like, sober people wouldn't talk like this and have it be a meaningful conversation. Oh, right. They're not sober people. This would also explain why they're able to, like, kind of patch things up the next day. Because how many times have you sobered up and then been like, boy, said some dumb shit. I better go eat shit and uh, apologize and make a walk of shame over the person's house and just yeah, tell them I wasn't in my right
1: mind. That's a weird thing with movies in general. I always find whenever drunk people start arguing in movies, it's like they've sobered up immediately. Because oh, yeah. no actor
2: wants to look stupid while doing a big emotional argument scene. Also, That's it. You really to,
0: to you need point, more like vocalization slurring. You need like big, oversized hand movements. People yeah. might even fall down. You got it. You got to be sloppy it, it, to sell it. The amount of alcohol they're ingesting for the scene, you know, it's like this is this is too underplayed and it immediately feels like wait. Did, did like, a time-lapse happen?
2: Also, to your point, I think that also is just a David Gordon Green thing, because Pineapple Express has some of the most sober, stoned people you've ever seen in a movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I I think that's a divisive point, too. Some people cannot get into the mode he uses for his actors. Like, he, he wants them to kind of have those arch moments where one person's facing the camera and the other person's facing the camera, too, but they're five steps back. And they're out of focus slightly so you can see the emotional impact on the person in the foreground. It's, it's it's kind of soap opera stuff. And some people absolutely cannot stand that. And some people really love the the high drama that comes with it. Uh, I don't think it's universally bad, but it does take me a second, I think, to warm up to it when I'm watching one of these movies.
1: It depends on how it's done and who's doing it. Some people are better at pulling it off than others.
0: I think you I- definitely see how people react to it in Halloween kills though because evil dies tonight is that cranked up to about the maximum level it can go (laughs) and that is the number one thing people complain about in that film like that's that's the thing they hang their hat on that's a superficial detail everyone who didn't like that movie goes towards
2: i like how people are bothered by evil dies tonight and not
0: michael you're home (laughs) i love that part though i (laughs) like it plays it plays like a comedy beat for me which i really like I I love how arch Green's Halloween
2: movies are. (laughs) If you're gonna point out wacky lines, I I'd go more towards that.
1: Honestly, I I I feel like they just pay attention to the dialogue in the very first Halloween movie. That is, (laughs) we are dealing in a arch heightened reality world. I think you just took like Loomis exists in this world. Yeah, like just like well, Loomis gets away with talking this way, and no one bats an eye. So fuck it. Yeah, yeah, you but know he's how many times people- he's in a trench coat and a doctor, he
0: can you talk however how he wants.
2: You know how many times adults in Halloween go, Was that the Boogeyman? <laughs> oh, I just saw the Boogeyman. <laughs> Did you see Michael Myers? He's like the Boogeyman. That's not even the That's pretty much every Halloween movie until we get to the 90s. Halloween is an arch fucking franchise.
0: <laughs> be it as it may, I think as time has gone on, people are less interested in that style, though.
2: Yeah. I, I think so in general.
0: Yeah, in general, at least, like, at least it's, it,
2: unless it's something like Terrifier, where they're going specifically for something they want to be super over the top.
0: Yeah, but there have been so many movies. You saw it for a long time, superhero films too, where the uh, the push was we want this to be gritty and grounded. That didn't make it real, but people like the 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 half association with reality. If it had that attachment, they're like, ooh, now I can enjoy this film. I don't like fantasy yeah. in my movies. It's like, every frame you see is a thousand lies. Why, why are we getting hung up here? <laughs> One thing I do wonder,
2: and I want to preface this with, uh, I'm not saying anything negative about like the people who don't like Halloween ends, because I get it. Or the people Jamie, you who just like don't want to get
0: beat up. I understand that.
2: <laughs> I'm very thin. Uh, I'm not saying anything about people who like uh, more elevated I'm not going to say elevated horror, but who likes stuff that runs a little bit more? Oh, yeah, get off the show. But I kind of wonder if something that fucks with people a little bit is you have. Green directs specifically this movie with the style of an A24 quote unquote elevated horror movie, but it still has that arch Halloween dialogue. It's still fair. It can still be very campy in some places. I wonder if. Getting that style, but not that content kind of fucks with people's
0: heads a little bit. Well, here's the area I would, I don't even know how this would pull off with fans. Because we brought Sam Raimi back to bring uh, us a new Marvel movie. And he just sprinkled in a little bit of his editing style and visual panache to that film. And people got mad. They called it like amateurish sometimes when the transitions were happening. People,
2: people being confused mind. about the editing and Multiverse of Madness. Whoa baffle me for the rest of my life mm, no. that so that's unprofessionally the thing. If, edited movie
0: that's editing porn it, it went from Sam Raimi I think is just a fucking genius how he puts his films together and people absolutely loved what he was doing with the first two Spider-Man movies but you go back a couple of years or go forward a few years and now all of a sudden a new generation sees this stuff and they're like mmm this isn't part of my diet I don't like it it's yucky uh, and I, I feel like this Halloween movie's visual language is much more Plain Jane sounds wrong, but I don't think it's trying to be as showy as something like a Sam Raimi Darkman or anything like that. But the way the characters act is very arch, and in my mind, the perfect marriage of the two would be to have the camera work reflect how over-the-top the drama is. But again, I think audiences probably would have taken been taken aback by that as well, because that's well, a oh yeah, very well, that easy thing for them – yeah, that would have been a th- well. Yeah, the ending of Kills is probably a great demonstration of that, where Michael gets up and he's basically in a void. You just see darkness around him, and all of those close-up montages of you know the various Haddonfield residents screaming as Michael gets his revenge. That to me is a really standout part of that movie, and I'm sure plenty of people saw that and they went, "What is this hokey shit?"
2: Yeah, you it's, can't win, well, especially with Halloween. Halloween is the horror equivalent of Star Wars. It exists to irritate people. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't like know Star the last Wars time Halloween
0: all... came out and everyone was like, yep, we're on the same page. This is fantastic. Maybe 2018, I think, had a pretty good response from folks. I think most
1: people were not were. were that happy. one was a surprising positive ratio for a Halloween movie. Yeah. I think Maybe people it, were just I mean, shocked that it was good. H20 probably
0: got a very similar reaction, I would guess. H20 uh, was pretty positive, I believe, when it came out.
2: Well, as a lot of people have pointed out since Ends was released, the only Halloween movies to get an overall positive, critical reaction are the original in 2018. Your favorite Halloween movie was probably hated by the critics.
0: And probably a good chunk of the fans at the time. This seems a little dumb, but I would like it if there's a way in Rotten Tomatoes you could toggle critics. Like, not just to be like, I don't like this guy, take his review out. But, like, if... There are critics that specialize in comedies. I would like to see just their thoughts. This mm-hmm. is a total aside, but I would love it if like, you just do like a genre version of Rotten Tomatoes and be like, "That be oh, cool. I would like to see that, yeah. People who actually like horror movies, what do they think about this film? Oh, they don't like it. Okay, that's a bad sign. People that yeah. really like horror films do like this movie. Whoa, I should pay attention.
1: Yeah, if The Guardian you taught us out.
0: anything.
2: I was going to say, just filter out all reviews that begin with, now, I don't normally go in for this sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. Horror, blah, I guess I'll
0: watch it if I have to.
2: If I read one more superhero movie review by somebody who's really not sure about this long underwear trend, I'm going to blow my brains out.
0: <laughs> 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 so again, I'm not saying we should get rid of critics you don't agree with, because sometimes you have to read differing points because they are right. You're not 100% always on the ball. you got to see different point of views. But it would be very nice if you wanted to kind of laser sight in on just a, a certain genre and get the experts' opinions in that genre. Because it drives me nuts now, yeah. If you just go by critic rating a lot of times, they'll be like, oh, why does it have a 36%? And then you look at it as people who have never once seen a superhero film somehow walking into Spider-Man 8 for the first time going, like, what the fuck is this? Who are all these characters? I have to know things? Yeah, they were There's never angry gonna like it Infinity in the War past. reviews. Yeah. This, this goes back to my point of a good movie versus a good genre film or a good franchise film. <laughs> So they're they're surprisingly different things. Anyways, we're getting off the beaten path for Halloween Ends. I'm going to bring us back. I would say my baseline for Halloween Ends as a Halloween film was pretty low, and I got what I wanted. So that's why I'm not mad. I'm kind of disappointed because I would have enjoyed a more typical Halloween entry as a Halloween fan. More Michael to finish things off on a strong note would have been great. Uh, but my expectations were I want Laurie Strode to survive. I know these are childish demands. I understand this. This is very like, why did did so many fans want Lori to die? I don't know, but I am just saying
2: like, I understand about both of them having to kill each other. Hyper literally.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I wanted Lori to live that, like if they had killed Lori off, I would have been upset. And I, I get that's a childish, emotional way to look at movies like, Oh, the thing I wanted to happen didn't happen. I hate it. But as a genre fan or not even a genre, just as a franchise fan, I think (laughs) many of our demands are very childish. So you just have to accept that. Uh, and two, since it's called Halloween Ends and it's being sold as the end of this continuity, there had to be some form of definitive end. Now, that didn't even need to mean that Michael Myers was blown into a million pieces, but that the story was totally wrapped up and they didn't leave themselves room to go, oh, if Laurie Strode wants, she can come back in like a movie, no problem. Like this isn't really over unless eh, we figure it is.
1: No like, dot, we just dot, dot, question mark.
0: Yeah. So in this one, Having Michael Myers thrown into an industrial shredder uh, and pulped up, I'm like, okay, yeah. If I like this movie more, that'd be a get up and cheer moment. Um, having Laurie survive, great. Those those shots of the house still and calm instead of having yes. Michael Myers breathing over them, great callback so as fan service. You know, it it adds a really good book end to this from the first movie, and it does close everything. We didn't even get a hint that, like, oh, Corey's still alive somewhere. His body is missing from the morgue. Uh, from what I've been seeing online, though, apparently that was uh, a part of, like, the original ending. Corey's body was, like, going to go missing. And I'm glad they didn't do that because, yeah. thank God, it really does feel like, oh, they call it Halloween ends and they weren't jerking us around. They They actually ended the franchise.
2: Yeah, if they weren't going to do any kind of, like, last minute, like, half redemption or something for Corey, then it was very important to the themes of that movie that he be dead in the fucking round.
0: And, I mean, I'm not foolish enough to expect this is the actual end of Halloween. I we should, we should probably put bets now to see how many years it is before the next installment of Halloween comes out. I'm guessing reboot, but uh, who knows? Probably. But I don't and think it'll be that another long sequel another to the another Halloween. Movie.
2: They just keep Texas Chainsaw massacring them.
0: At this point, I would love it if they go totally new, because we've already had the Rob Zombie Halloween remake with all the same characters. We've had this one, which is a you know continuation of that first film, with as many continuing characters as they could that were still alive. We we've we've done it multiple times in this timeline. Let's just move on. Let's, we could have a Michael Myers or a guy in a white scary mask uh, who kills people on Halloween. It could be a totally new movie as long as you just keep the killer the same. I would say. Go crazy on the lore. You could do something totally new, new killers, new new victims, new everything. Fuck, for all I care, move it out of uh, uh, Haddonfield, Illinois, and, and put it in Canada. I don't care. Make it winter. Make it snowy
1: white. Yeah, snow. Snow slashers. Yeah, just, um, I mean, at least try to just go off the idea of the shape. And see if you can do it. See if people accept it. I mean, will people accept it? No. But <laughs> I would like to see someone at least just try instead of just... Let's remake a first Halloween movie again.
2: Yeah, I yeah. want to see them go super, like out there with it. Like, just make, make, start a new Halloween franchise where Michael has no origin. Just a dude in a white mask with no name comes to town and starts stabbing people.
0: That'd be easy enough to do,
1: right? Just, just literally have a good, story about remember? a boogeyman. Yeah, like, the this is the that Halloween amazes me. There's just- different towns and it, it people start, and there was like a like groups on Reddit who are putting together that there is like a single killer like every year. Yeah. Uh,
0: if, if people at home haven't read this, there was a book that came out a couple of years back called Taking Shape 2, The Lost Halloween Sequels. And it is a fascinating read. Uh, it's Dustin McNeil who also made Taking Shape 1, which is a really great history of like uh, the, the Halloween franchise. But the fun part about this is these are all the sequels that like got scripted or pitched. Maybe some got really close production, but none of them did. And there are some buck wild ideas that were thrown out over the years. And now that we're kind of free since the franchise is supposedly done, or this continuity at least, I would love it if they did something similar and just went, okay, we've got 40 years of crazy concepts that built up. What if we explored some of those ideas? What if we had Michael Myers basically as some sort of energy ghost who becomes 40 feet tall and terrorizes (laughs) a drive-in theater? What?
2: Coming out of the TV screen in a script that has weird tonal similarities with this one, which fascinates me. (laughs) There's the idea of making a Halloween sequel that's all about the city, the town of Haddonfield, being afraid of Michael with him not actually being there. Uh, That's been kicked around since the original. I'm, I'm happy one of these movies actually went with that.
1: Yeah, I would like if if they were like. No, we need to. Uh, we need to do more Michael Myers in the and ma- the fucking mask killing people. And we need to go back to like stuff from the Halloween franchise. The only way I'd really accept that at this point would be if they went back to Jamie and did something there, because that's I mean, still untapped potential in regards to the Jamie Lloyd storyline. Since that immediately got fucked, so. Daniel Harris has just been in
2: a fucking mental hospital this entire time since the events of the movie. We get her
1: Halloween. And it's not like true Oh, a, a oh podcast my god, the continuity the would be so mask. confusing. <laughs> it's like we've already got like we get sequels to different continuities with this franchise all the time, so it wouldn't be like out of the realm. Or just do it as like a limited series or something. What I would really love. If if I could have any magical
0: power to grant a movie that shouldn't exist and probably will never exist, I would make, uh, the Todd Farmer Patrick Lucier Halloween Three happen. Yes, they go back and they just do that weird ass half sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween Two.
2: <laughs> Honestly, with I a would character- I would
0: be a hundred percent there for that one if they ever made it.
2: With a character as malleable as Michael, and with the Halloween franchise being more about like tone and just the approach to anything else. Like, you can throw that character into a lot of different slasher scenarios. I mean, God, I don't think it ever got developed more than, like, a single sentence. But that idea Carpenter had for, I think, a, Halloween, a different Halloween 2 or 3, that was just Lori in high security skyscraper with Michael killing himself from the park killing people from the parking garage all the way up to the top floor that's a fucking movie right there
0: (laughs) the raid with the slasher yeah he has to kill his way all the way down
2: it's like Friday the 13th like you're not really at a loss for ideas it's just figuring out what idea needs to happen next
0: well, people people get precious with these, right? It's a 40-year fan- franchise that are, is beloved. So you're always worried that there's going to be missteps, especially when something like this comes out and it doesn't do as well financially as they were hoping and the fan sentiment is pretty split. So they're going to overreact the next time they make one of these because they're, they're, the money men will panic and think like, okay, we can't make less money than last time. We've got to bol- bolster the popularity somehow. Focus group it. The important it, thing it's, is... That- it's catching lightning in a bottle.
2: The important thing is they can never do Michael is the car from Christine again.
1: <laughs> what a bit. Mm, 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 mm,
0: mm.
2: There's, that's all I could think of this entire movie to the point where it seems very blatantly intentional.
1: Oh, uh, oh no, it is. I mean, yeah. a, Corey's last name is Cunningham. <laughs> and that entire um, that, that scene with the bullies at the um, junkyard, that's just a scene from Christine. Which, if God, Christine had thumbs, could operate a blowtorch. <laughs> uh,
2: who, who knows killer. what Brian Fuller is working on with his reboot. <laughs> Which, by the way, I I do wish we got a little bit more of Michael in this movie. And I can understand people being disappointed with just how little he's even physically able to do in this film. There will be, for me personally, there will be no cooler idea of Michael Myers than him being this misshapen troll living in a cave outside of town with a madman outside dragging hapless victims over to him so he Michael can
1: gobble them up whole. Oh he's literally a monster. Carving his mask into the rock in his cave. I love that shit.
2: I again I think that might be one of the things one of the reasons the mishmash of tone and style kind of works for me. There's something about that very like naturalistic small town America, like prestige film look, mixed with going into the realm of high myth with Michael, with just how he's presented. It's Lynchian. It, no it, 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 it it's yeah, it's very true detective. I felt like something Carrie Fukunawa would direct.
1: Yeah, it's, it's Michael at that point is the is the si- simmering notion of uh unspoken of fear and brutality and evil that's in a small town Michael are you
2: are you saying that the real Michael Myers is within us all I'm saying
1: that maybe Dennis Hopper is around the corner huffing gas <laughs> See, no okay,
0: here's the difference in my mind. In Halloween Ends, we get the idea that Haddonfield is just filled with really violent assholes. Like, everyone, if they could, would stab everyone else to death. Blue Velvet, you definitely have those people, but I think it's trying to say, deep down, all of us are perverts, which is something we didn't quite get from Halloween.
2: Well, no, 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 see, at the end of Blue Velvet, because Dennis Hopper is dead, his uh, grip of perversion is no longer on that town that i think is both in the 50s and the 80s at once so he's the one you who know, kept I, it out of out of the time
1: stream you know i really like dennis hopper and river's edge he's really good in that it's a good movie uh alternate ending to blue velvet after frank has been
0: dispatched we close in on kyle mclaughlin who is now back to his normal 50s life and girlfriend and the birds are singing he cracks open a paps blue ribbon as the camera slowly closes in on the PBR logo.
1: Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Cody, sing Blue Velvet. She had blue velvet. Now we've been demonetized.
0: <laughs> Good. They're going to take back me undies.
2: Yeah. No, not me undies.
0: Is that, is that who we're supposed to be promoting? Is that yet? Is that now? <laughs> no. I was going to say, I've received no underpants in the mail, so I don't know who I'm supposed to hawk for. Send me underpants. Please don't, actually. Uh, anyone listening to the show, please do not send me underpants. Send Cody used underpants.
1: Do I know it. underpants, not even used ones. You don't want brand that- new underpants? I, see, my dream, I've, ta- I've spoken about this, is to have a new fresh pair of underwear every day. Uh, Mike, Ooh, I do sucks. not.
0: See, my problem here with fresh underpants, a lot of the times, like the elastic is a little too tight. You know, you want it to kind of wear out and loosen a little bit in my mind. Uh, so you, you need a, a wear or two to kind of skin. Uh, I just, I like a looser waistband, but not like loose enough where it's just falling off you, you know, you gotta, you gotta wear those in a wash cycle or two gets the perfect elasticity for underpants. So the fresh ones every day,
1: you just be living in that hell. Falling off of you, just walking around and. Out, out and about in the world with nothing. Well, that's what I'm saying. On? You don't want
0: to order like an extra large, you know, like two sizes too big because you don't want that elastic deal. They're gonna, they What's the point of wearing? I know to what size
1: you. underwear I wear. Yeah, I, it still feels more
0: semis. comfortable when it wears out a little bit in the wash.
1: I
2: Send I like your snor- package to Box Office Pulp wants your underwear. Your yes, I, um, box, I like four five six six seven I, five seven at five eight seven 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 five
1: eight. I don't like when my when my balls are choked. I don't really like that. What kind of underwear are you wearing where you have choked balls? No, I mean, like, tight underwear. I don't like tight underwear. Oh, so like the boxer's brief yeah, conversation. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's not my thing.
0: Okay. See, now you're being picky. The people don't know what kind of underwear to send. I'm sorry. I think this was an episode about Halloween ends. I don't know, folks. Uh, See it for yourself. Who knows how you feel? Maybe you'll hate it. Maybe you'll love it. Maybe you'll be like me and just feel like, oh, okay, well, it's done. I guess it's weird if you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen it, because we already told that you Michael a Myers gets to turn it
1: Yeah, home, you, you, you fucking heard the... Tokyo.
0: Yeah, what were you doing? Jesus, all right, get out of here. This is confusing to me, and I don't even like this
1: scenario. But if you liked this show or completely disagreed with it, you can find more at com. Of course, we are all on your favorite, favorite podcatchers, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher. You can follow us... On Twitter, at Box Office Pulp. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pulp.
2: And you can check me out on Twitter, at MondoFunky.
1: I'm on Twitter, at BopWatch1. That is the number not spelled out. And I am at Lucky Deck Napier.
2: It just looks like we're telling people where we're going to be in 24 hours so they can kill us.
1: God, I Good. I so. Yeah, please. <laughs> the door
0: is unlocked, people. Come on in.
2: Please stomp me with a boot like that beautiful killer man.
0: I'm still stuck on the idea of just that perfect, handsome Michael Myers Corey mask. I think somehow he magically Planet. just has that perfectly white mask. That's that's the way they should have gone. That would have been the ultimate end credit scene. <laughs> Corey's back in a perfect mask version of his own face walking around stabbing. Stabbing you What's... with his chiseled
1: fucking chin.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, love, I will not... Like, I, there's a... There, Most criticisms of Halloween Ends, I get. People who are complaining about Rowan Campbell being too good-looking to be a serial killer. (laughs) He can't be a bullied nerd. He's handsome. It's like, do you remember the first movie where Laurie snatches the mask off of Michael and he looks like a
1: male model? Also stop sending death threats.
2: Yeah, just in general, no matter what it is you're angry about... and. Like, unless you were talking about a United States senator that's taking your rights away, just tap down the anger a
0: little bit. I will continue to say, fuck Ron Johnson. You can't stop me. Fuck that guy. Agreed. I'm send so
2: your fucks to Ron Johnson. Eh?
0: <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'll forward him. Just send him my way and I'll just make sure he gets some. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I think we've rapped like eight times now. Are people still listening? Is this the post joke or is this the actual, like, ending of the show? Please you tell haven't said get the problem. hell out of here yet. Oh, what are you doing? Get the hell out of here! It's a wrap! There you
1: go, Matthew Broderick there at the end.
0: It, tur- well, it really turned into me being in the shower and being the like, why is this so happening? Go home. <laughs> and like that, he's gone.
2: The one thing we can all agree on as horror fans is that Darcy had a top-notch cameo. A-plus.
0: It is a little- A-plus. A-plus. It is a little disappointing that the novelization gave her the,
1: uh impaled on a rack death that would have been uh, pretty funny. Darcy implied actually didn't even really imply she pretty much flat out said that there's going to be an um, extended cut.
0: Yeah there was chatter that there was like an extra 10 minutes that was going to be on the DVD but they, they did an early announcement where they showed the features on the DVD. It was pretty bare bones uh, so either they left out some of the things from the announcement of what's being thrown on there or they decided to hold back on that cut for now.
1: My whole back. Of wonder, they did. They did two releases for kills, I believe. Yeah, I and think kills when it first
0: came out was the unrated and regular cut at the same time. Because so I bought it right away and I had both cuts.
1: Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we got the Spray alternate Amalia cut or something. Yeah.
0: My guess is they also have some stuff they filmed for the original they didn't show that would have been juicy, like the original ending where Lori dies. Uh, I uh, kind yeah. of feel like they've been saving all of this so when they eventually, I think they're actually putting out a trilogy cut, not cut, but like all three moves on. I imagine 4K. so, yeah. They might be saving for a box set. That's that's kind of my guess. I think they're probably holding back now to be like, oh, we'll put all the special features together for the, like the super ultra deluxe release.
1: I will give them so much money if, too, if they release a box set and they re- rename Halloween 2018 to Halloween Returns.
2: We're all just waiting patiently until somebody changes that while no one's looking.
0: They got to do an answer the call thing. Because now Ghostbusters, the reboot, has just officially answered the call, which cracks me up.
2: Oh, like uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle?
0: See, how do you remember when that was just Jumanji. Sony does know how to name
1: things in their filing system. I forgot those sequels existed. <laughs> yeah. Man, Rock's in the Jungle a lot. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production.
0: Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight.